This is the Aussie Animal Show on AAA Radio. Welcome to the wildlife. My name's Rob Armstrong. On Saturday, the 12th of March, in 11 cities around the world, there were demonstrations protesting the use of kangaroo product by the footwear manufacturer, Nike. It seems that the use of kangaroo hide by the footwear manufacturer has led to an increase in the slaughter of Australian wildlife. With me today is Peter Highlands, the president of the Australian Wildlife Protection Council. Peter has been involved with this issue for a number of years. Peter, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, it's a pleasure, Rob. I think I might start this by saying that kangaroos and the kangaroo family, they're absolutely beautiful animals and they're wild animals. So the industrial use of wildlife is a globally uh, appalling idea. And kangaroos are the most exploited land-based animals in the world. And what happens to them is absolutely shocking. So that's the starting point. Now, we think of a kangaroo well, actually, over the years that uh, I've been looking at these animals, and they exist um, to the east of the Wallace line, which is um, a biological division uh, off the north of Australia. So they exist in largely New Guinea and Australia. And over that time, I've counted something like 89 species and subspecies of these animals. So there's a kangaroo for almost every niche. They're even up trees. Uh, and that's quite remarkable. What we're seeing in um, relation to what's happening to these species is utterly horrendous. Now, of those 89 species that I spoke about, seven species are entirely extinct now. And this has all happened over the last 150 or so years. Seven are critically endangered. Uh, some of those are in New Guinea. Ten are endangered. 30 more species are threatened. That leaves uh, another 35, I think. And what is happening there with the listing of species is that because things are changing so fast and the commercial predation of kangaroos is so rapid, that what we're seeing is a sort of a, a lag um, between the actual listing of these species as threatened or endangered or whatever to what is actually going on. And we've got to factor climate change into these issues. So for companies around the world um, who claim sustainability uh, in their production processes, particularly when their alternative uh, materials available, which are probably a lot better, um, for those companies to claim sustainability, given the dreadful circumstances of these animals, and I'll talk about that in a bit more in a minute, is reprehensible to say, to be polite about it. So one of the things we've got to stop is this commercial killing, mass commercial killing of kangaroos. Now, I think in the discussions we've had before, Rob, what I can say about Australia and my knowledge is 
beyond beyond Australia. But what we can say about Australia is that Australia is is unique in the aggressive way that Australian state and federal governments pursue native wildlife. So in Victoria, I'm, I'm in Melbourne at the moment, in, in Victoria, the Victorian government, which is a Labor government, uh, has about 100 native species, a bit less, but it's about 100 native species on its kill list. Uh, and kangaroos are part of those animals. So they're killing wildlife because they're in the way. Farmers don't particularly like some species. Uh, that's not always true. Um, there's a, a whole government movement because they've employed lots of people to look after this sort of killing activity that encourages and enables it. We have hunting activity for pleasure. Uh, as your listeners will know, the duck season in Victoria is about to start now. When ducks or water birds were plentiful, that was killing about 400,000 birds a year in, in, in uh, Victoria. And um, you, will, you will hear from Laurie Levy, who's been trying to stop this heinous activity for a long time. And many other bird species are involved in this. So we're looking at a vast range of wildlife that is, is being killed every year uh, across the continent. What has happened to kangaroos, and it's typically been the larger species of kangaroos that have been killed commercially, and these animals are used for pet food. There's a move over the last few years to try and get people to eat kangaroo meat, um, and that's sort of pushing it up the value chain, if you like, because a dead kangaroo shot by a shooter is worth about $20, maybe a bit more to the shooter. Uh, and that's not very much money when you've got to travel long distances to go and find them and shoot them. There's the leather trade, which, of course, feeds into garments, shoes, in the case of sport, sporting shoes, uh, which we're talking about here. And what I've, what I've noticed over the last two or three years is that more and more kangaroo parts are being used, you know, in, in the pet food trade. So what typically happened with kangaroos in the past is that they were shot in, you know, in, in paddocks somewhere during the night by a shooter who has a ute on which he then hangs the kangaroos, but he does that after he's gutted them, cut their heads off, cut their feet and their paws off and then he strings them up on the back of his ute so you, you'll get maybe i don't know 40 kangaroos on the back of, of the ute in a night shooting now what happens with the young animals because kangaroos of course marsupials so they have animals in their pouch those babies the joeys are beaten to death if they're not beaten to death they're decapitated if neither of those things happen, they're just thrown aside and they die slowly over several days. So the cruelty involved in, in this kind of operation is hideous. Just going back to all these species of kangaroos, I mean, one of the things that we really notice is that each of these species, they all have these wonderful personalities. They're all such beautiful animals. And the animals that are being killed commercially often 
living like the Western gray kangaroo, the Eastern gray kangaroo particularly, live in large family groups. They're called mobs. So these animals are incredibly close to each other. And a young kangaroo stays with its mother for up to 18 months. So it's in the pouch for the first few weeks, and then it hops in and out of the pouch, and then later on it's an at-foot joey. But these animals are always touching each other, always together, always loving each other. So there's a whole structure within these mobs, and the mass killing of these animals starts with the big males who control the mob, if you like, so they're the boss of the mob. So that begins to break down the social context of, of these mobs, uh, and that clearly damages, um, you know, the, the kangaroo groups themselves. And when this mass shooting occurs, the males are shot first because they're bigger, and that leaves the females and the joeys. So then they move on to the females. And we're in a, at a situation now where in Victoria, where they were saying two years ago they wouldn't be shooting females. Now, 30% of the commercial take is female. So every year, you know, the boundaries of what is acceptable are extended. The politicians turn a blind eye to the cruelty and this, uh, you know, sloppy kind of governance that goes on and the ever-extending of what, what is acceptable. And they do this by endless propaganda. There's marketing campaigns to say how bad these animals are, um, how much damage they're doing. They even claim they damage infrastructure. And you can tell this is phony because every corner of the continent, they're saying the same thing. So it's clearly a strategy to keep this hideous industry on the road, if you like. And what we're finding, and I, I've said this to Rob before, is that there are a number of dangers involved in this industry because as the kangaroos that are being exploited commercially are wiped out from what, in one region after another, we're seeing the travel or the movement of kangaroo carcasses across greater and greater distances to commercial processes. To give you a scale of the industry, um, if, if you look at the Commonwealth Gazettes, the federal government in Canberra publishes figures and the gross value of the, the kangaroo industry. Uh, gross value means the value that's achieved before delivering it to the processor. So that's the shooters that all the other people involved in that chain getting it there it was $25 million. Australia is a vast continent and the kangaroo industry, its gross value is very, very small. What the industry does is it disrupts uh, other regional businesses because it occurs during the night and in places like Victoria, what happens is that the shooters arrive unannounced. They can come any time. Uh, the people who live in regional Victoria often love their kangaroos. They know them by name. So the last thing you want somebody doing is turning up on your fence line and killing all your wildlife. That's precisely what happens. So what happens to those people and their businesses? Often their tourism businesses, they have to close them down. And that's beginning to happen in Victoria. 
uh, people are selling their houses to get away from this. Uh, the reason they do that is because they have no rights in the matter whatsoever. There's nothing they can do to stop the shooting. So the shooters know that, uh, and that ups the ante. So however terrified homeowners are, however abused and unjust they feel this whole process is, uh, there's nothing they can do. If they go to the police, they're ignored. This happens all over the, all over the continent. And we get lots of complaints from people about what's going on. They're using high-powered rifles during the night. The shooting might go on for two or three hours, so people don't get sleep. They get spotlights shone through their windows. And this goes on and on. And international companies need to understand that this is not only a, an animal cruelty issue and an ecological catastrophe for Australia, it's also high-level human rights abuse, which Australian governments are engaged in, and knowingly so. We speak to these politicians or contact these politicians endlessly and their staff. So they can't possibly say they don't know. And if you look at New South Wales, um, where kangaroo populations are in all sorts of trouble, what has happened there in the last 12 months or so is that there's been a kangaroo inquiry and it's looked at the industry and some of the findings were absolutely shocking. Now, the state of Australian governments is such that a lot of these inquiry findings are suppressed. And because of the mythology around kangaroos being terrible, because of all the marketing spin, the, the media compliance in these matters, um, little notice is taken of any of this stuff. So as always, there's a small band of people trying to let the world know what's going on here helping these animals uh, by rescuing the joeys. And what we're finding in Victoria now is that there's a lot of joeys without mothers and they have to be rescued and they have to be fed. And the problem is now there are too many joeys and not enough people to, or not enough uh, wildlife shelters to look after them all. So the whole thing is really, really horrible. And Nike and all these other companies that are engaged in these activities should think very carefully about what I'm saying to them. I would invite any of their executives to come with me and to stay in a house uh, where the shooting activity is occurring around it and to hear the absolute fear and anguish of the people in that house while this is being done to them. I can tell you it is not a very pleasant experience. Australian politicians don't have the guts to do that because they're promoting this industry and pretending that everything is absolutely fine. Um, but they need to come along as well, and I challenge them to do so. Um, You've raised a number of issues, each of them horrific on its own. You mentioned the cruelty Dr. Werther, the RSPCA, explained to me that even the act of spotlighting an animal at night is an act of cruelty. We have the impouch joeys being torn out of their mother's pouch and decapitated or their heads bashed against the bull bar or fence post. You mentioned each of those females would have an at-foot joey that for 18 months is dependent upon the mother for nutrition and also emotional comfort. Are Correct. these all these animals taken into the quota? 
Um, what has typically happened is that the, the young animals were not taken into the quota, um, so they're not counted. Now, how can you have, as they claim, a sustainable industry if you're killing all the young? And what we know from Victoria's early figures, and because they are now trying to hide the numbers much more than they used to in the past, so the whole thing is less transparent than it was, um, we know that from the figures that we've seen under freedom of information for the early parts of the actual kangaroo industry, the full industry was introduced in 2019 following the pet food trial, which was introduced in 2014. We know that they're killing as many joeys as they are uh, females. Now, those joeys are not in the quotas. And what we also think is happening is that because there is no minimum size, and, and this is not sustainable either, that the industry in Victoria can access for kangaroos, they're actually putting the joeys on the back of the back of the ute to take them to the processing plant. Now, um, I don't think I've said this, but the the spin is about waste. And so the, the um, justification for the industry says that really what we're doing is the farmers would have shot them anyway. So we're, we're just picking up the waste. It's quite incredible that environment ministers in Australia in Australian states describe their wildlife as waste. That beggars belief in itself and, and is an indicator of attitudes. What actually happens when the industry comes into town is that the rate of killing of kangaroos triples. Now, I can give you um, I can give you a few examples in Victoria, if you like. So Victoria is a small state, and it has historically relatively low kangaroo numbers because of the history of the state, which was uh, pretty dramatic uh, in terms of land clearing. Um, you know, so there were people all over it basically killing things, um, you know, since the early colonial times. So that reduced wildlife populations across Victoria in enormous numbers. So if I look at 2011, for example, the Victorian government issued permits to kill 34,721 kangaroos, and that was deemed to be a sort of sustainable number. Now, by the time you get to 2021, the number there was 191,200, of which about 96,000 were deemed to be commercial. So that's gone up, uh, what is it, five times in that period. So you can see the huge impact this has had. Now, since the kangaroo pet food trial was introduced in in March 2014, the number of kangaroos that have been targeted in Victoria is astronomical. What was particularly extraordinary is that, you know, people in the US will know that there were catastrophic fires in, in Australia a couple of years ago. Following those fires, the Victorian government then went on to pretend that the kangaroo population had increased by some 41% in Victoria. 
Now, this is despite 3 billion native animals, and we were in the fire grounds for two or three months when they were going on and um, dying. And these population numbers are clearly exaggerated for these animals. So why do they do that? They do that so they can push the quotas higher. So in Victoria, they say, well, 10% of the population is what we're, what we're killing uh, for pet food and for other things, um, and that is sustainable. But the problem is that the population numbers are wrong. So the impact of that is to eradicate kangaroo populations region by region. The Mali, which is one of Victoria's seven shooting zones, uh, it's pretty dopey thing to do to divide up your state and country into shooting zones, isn't it? So um, the Mali, the kangaroo populations there outside of national parks are almost gone. And that's because they've been shot out and killed for so many years. These animals can no longer cope with the, you know, the, the, the massive assaults of climate change, of, of mass killing, of other cruelty that is directed towards them. And, and Rob, I think you asked about, Hugh Worth was a good friend of ours and we knew him for many years, so we spent quite a lot of time with him. One of the things that is very obvious uh, because of all the government propaganda that goes on, that encourages greater acts of cruelty so that people think they are justified and enabled by the government rhetoric and I want uh, public servants, you know, the, these are environment departments we're talking about, and you just have to laugh because um, they're not environment departments, they're wildlife killing departments. Um, so I want those individuals to understand the impact they're having on wildlife populations in Australia. And some of the stuff that goes on is just so extraordinary that, uh, um, you know, it's hard for listeners to get their head around. But I would place the kangaroo killing, whatever form it takes, either commercial or non-commercial, uh, all of it is highly dubious uh, as one of the cruelest things that happen to animals anywhere on earth. And the problem I have with it is, is that it's dressed up as humane, which I can tell all the companies using these animals commercially, it is not. So what I also think people should consider is that if you take somewhere like South Australia, for example, which is, has an absolutely toxic record when it comes to uh, caring for wildlife, uh, there are so many species missing in that place and so many species on, on, in, in deep trouble. The way they've treated kangaroos is appalling. And recently, I mean, the... The obvious signs of, uh, you know, something not being sustainable when it's wildlife trade is when they have to move into new regions, which is a trick Australia-wide. So they run out of kangaroos somewhere else and pretend the populations are still going strongly, but they're shooting them somewhere else. Or they introduce new species into the killing. So typically they've gone after the big kangaroos, but in South Australia they've done that. And... They've now got six kangaroos on the commercial list, kangaroos and wallabies. So um, that's a sign that something is very wrong. And in Tasmania, the forester kangaroo, uh, which is the 
Tasmanian subspecies of the mainland eastern grey. That animal is, remains in a, in, in a population of a few thousand, and they're still killing it commercially. So that's quite extraordinary. The same applies to the sooty kangaroo on Kangaroo Island, which is on its last legs. It's had a terrible history of abuse, and that has gone on and off the commercial list in South Australia. They're trying to hide that they're doing it, I suspect. So these things are totally outrageous, um, particularly when you think of the vast damage some of those fires did to places like Kangaroo Island, to, to the east of Victoria, to parts of New South Wales. Those fires made absolutely no difference. As the world was forking out tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to rescue Australian wildlife, uh, the kangaroos, as they hopped out of the for burning forests, were being shot for commercial purposes. So we need to recognise what goes on here. And things have not, I've said this to Rob before, things have not improved. One would expect that under a circumstance of climate change, we would see improvements going on uh, in terms of the way wildlife is treated. Quite the opposite is occurring. And because the politicians and the governments don't react to this continual extension of boundaries of what is acceptable, what is deemed appropriate in any context in relation to wildlife, this extension and increasing cruelty and increasing killing goes on and no one does anything about it. And the government's trying to enable it, justify it, spin a whole load of stories around it, which often are completely untrue. And that's the sort of situation we find ourselves in. And I think everyone should recognise, uh, Nike included, the kangaroos are in the front line of this terrible abuse, which needs very significant global attention. And that, of course, is happening because in the United States, where um, the campaigns in relation to shoes began, the various Kangaroo Protection Acts uh, in various parliaments uh, across the United States, the, the reinforcing of the Californian kangaroo laws, protection laws. Um, so there's moves afoot. And, and also in Europe, where uh, 100 MEPs, uh, at least 100 now, are very concerned about the kinds of cruelties and the kinds of things that are being done, the poor standards of governance, the possible health consequences of this kind of trade in wildlife, uh, particularly at a time of zoonotic diseases, we're creating a real problem if we don't act and look very closely at what's going on here. What we're seeing evidence of and what we are told by governments is this industry is responsible. I'll tell you what happens. So the kangaroos are shot. They are then butchered in the field, as I described earlier. They are then transferred to containers which are refrigerated. Often these places are in remote areas. When the container is more or less full, a truck comes along, refrigerated truck. The kangaroos are transferred. Often they're fly-blown. They could have been there for days. They've been out in the early kills, have been out in the, in the heat all night before they get to the chiller box. They then get transferred to a processor. But as kangaroos are getting scarcer, we're noticing 
that in those same containers there's pigs, there's deer, there's a goat kangaroo scandal going on in Queensland at the moment. So these things are very, very far from being safe and hygienic. And what we're seeing is all this being kind of underground and people paying scant attention to it. But it's about time that the world woke up. Peter, it's obvious to anyone that if you shoot the breeding females, you're destroying the species. By destroying the natural reproduction system of kangaroos, by shooting the males, we're destroying the natural selection process where only the dominant male most suited for the environment gets to pass on his genes to the next generation. Yeah, all, it, all that is being disrupted. You're quite right. This is a species-destroying exercise. Well, we need to stop it, and governments need to start behaving themselves. And the fact that uh, politicians tend to hide from this is an indicator that many of them don't agree with it. You know, it's the equivalent of duck shooting. I mean, in, Laurie will have said to you that most Labor politicians in the Victorian government don't want duck shooting, as do by, by far the vast amount of the general public. They don't want it. And what we're seeing is, is a kind of economic capture here, whether it's the mass killing of water birds on Ramsar sites. I mean, you don't want to go to a Ramsar site in Victoria and tell you that because it's it's a very unpleasant place to be. These are supposed to be globally precious wetlands. And quite frankly, I mean, some of the things that I've come across in regional Victoria where, you know, the kangaroo industry is operating, you don't want to be there either. So how can sort of minority groups with guns take over places and economic opportunity that would otherwise exist if they weren't there? Peter, honestly, this campaign to prevent the commercial slaughter of kangaroos has been going on for years. It has been hidden behind a network of lies, false figures and perceptions, myths that have been perpetrated to paint Correct. our wonderful kangaroos as pests. Correct. This is heartbreaking for anyone who loves our wildlife. Yeah, and, and you know, I think it's psychologically very harmful for people. I mean, what we've seen with COVID is, and this is something that's really worried me, what we've seen with COVID is, um, you know, that some people living in the cities uh, have chosen to move to the bush. A lot of the people being impacted by the sort of stuff I'm talking about, the professional people who, you know, working from home, working online, moving to the country to set up a business somewhere, those are the people in the front line of what is happening and potentially there's going to be more and more of them uh, if this these kind of behaviours are not stopped. Now, that is also quite harmful to people's well-being, psychology, to their business opportunities in the regions. What we need is more imagination in terms of business development, economic development. It is extraordinary that governments are pretending in 2022 that Killing kangaroos, you know, disrupting knowledge-based businesses. You know, this is actually a good thing for economic regional development. I can tell you it's not. And uh, I think the other aspect of this, and, and the world is not silly, with social media, with 
you know, new ways of communicating around the world. People are beginning to understand uh, what goes on. And, you know, I spoke to you about dealing in improbabilities because um, things are so bad that they seem unlikely to be occurring, right? I, I would put the two things together. I mean, in, in our film work across the Australian continent, we've, we, we look at Indigenous heritage, for example, and the destruction of Aboriginal rock art, Aboriginal sites, um, you know, in places like the Murujuga in Western Australia are catastrophic. We see the same kinds of attitudes to those things that were here pre-1788 when the Europeans showed up, you know, en masse, if you like. We see the same attitudes to wildlife. Anything that was Australian that was here before 1788 is treated appallingly. And I think <laughs> we're at a stage now where we need to do a bit of a rethink about these things. Australia is an incredibly precious continent. It has incredibly beautiful places on it. Uh, we don't want people running around smashing it up, governments enabling those kind of behaviours. We want proper advanced thinking and, you know, smart businesses, smart industries. We want climate change stopped, properly mitigated for, uh, you know, all those things. That's what people want. Um, they don't want this endless war on uh, the nature of Australia or on Indigenous heritage or all the other things that go on that everyone pretends doesn't happen. Peter, as the world is slowly opening up, dealing with COVID, I am an American tourist. I'm achieving my lifetime ambition to travel to the outback of Australia, having seen it on TV for most of my life. If I was to travel from Melbourne or Sydney to Uluru, I get there. Am I going to see the majestic red kangaroo standing there at sunset? Uh, unlikely. You'll see a few. I mean, uh, we, we spend a lot of time driving around the outback, uh, working with our Aboriginal friends. And I can tell you, I've seen, I think it's probably in six years, being out in, the, in really wild and remote places, I've seen six euros, I think, kangaroo that lives up there uh, in the hills, uh, in, in the deserts. You know, the, we, we did a trip down the Fink River about three years ago with Aboriginal friends as well. And I was looking at um, the diaries of the explorers that went down there. These places are incredibly remote. We're just driving down a riverbed, basically, uh, for long periods of time. Um, you don't see anybody else there. Uh, there's cattle maybe walking around. But when you compare what the what the early explorers, the European explorers saw, um, we're only talking about what 130 years ago. There's nothing there. None of it's there. So there will be pockets of animals surviving, but the situation is pretty dire. And what we've noticed, uh, and we've been travelling Australia for nearly half a century, working, you know, doing different projects and things. If if I look at what it looked like back then, it is very different now. So even the remotest places are feeling the impacts of introduced species, introduced plant species, the grasses that are out there in the deserts and things that pastoralists have you know, brought in there, uh, 
cause you know extreme problems for native vegetation and native animals. You've got things like cats and foxes. I mean, if, if you're up in Queensland, the cats are the size of, um, you know, they're, they're enormous. They're like wild, wild cats in Africa or Asia. And the native wildlife doesn't have a chance against those animals. So after all the problems associated with colonisation, deforestation, creation of foreign pastures, feral animals, climate change, global warming... The kangaroos are now being impacted by increased killing pressure to supply Nike with football boots. Is that correct? Yes, correct. And, you know, the world needs to think about that. Uh, the people playing football need to think about that too. And, you know, I, I think some fairly famous uh, sports people have jacked up about some of this, but how do they get to know about it is, is the question. I'm always happy to talk to them. And, you know, we can show them what goes on. And I think the best way to understand what happens is to go and look. And in all the work we do, we actually go and look. So wherever it is and whatever it is, we go there and we look. And that tells you the truth about what happens. Peter. Thank you so much. The AWPC, we will place a link below. This will appear as a radio program and then be available as a podcast with a link to the AWPC page. Can we speak with you in the future? We haven't touched really on the killing of kangaroos for the human consumption market, which is another horrific issue that needs to be addressed. Yeah, of course you can. Um, you know, we keep talking about these these matters and, and let as many people know about what occurs. And, and as I said to you, Rob, I am very concerned about the human rights issues in relation to the animals. It's, it's the people in the front line of this killing that I'm feeling increasingly sorry for. And, and one of the things that happens is because the politicians don't respond to them, they come to people like us with their, you know, grief, if you like, their anxiety and their fear. And, you know, that makes the situation even worse because that is not what should be happening. We will be speaking with uh, Alyssa Wormald from the Victorian Kangaroo Alliance. The organisation was formed because the commercial killing industry was basically brought to their backyards so we will continue this issue. We will cover it more. Peter, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Rob. Thanks very much. All I can say is Nike, don't do it.